0: Holy shit. Holy shit? That was so intense, that movie.
1: Dude, the finger peelings.
0: Holy sh- No, I can't watch that scene. Nope. I, like, literally, I have to look away.
1: Dude, I don't use it, like, movies where there's gore and stabbing and shooting and whatever, I don't blink. But just, ugh, ugh, just... Oh my god, I, yeah, what's, what's, what's her name? Why am I blanking on the actress's name? Who's the lead? Natalie Portman. Yeah, Natalie Portman just peeling six inches of yeah, flesh no, off I, of her own finger. Like, I, like, no, I was like averting my eyes and just like yelling. I'm like, ah, oh fuck.
0: Yeah, like, like that I, was
1: not, that was not okay. That was not okay.
0: For some reason, like, I can watch most other scenes in this movie and like be okay. It's like not like other horror movies that like really terrify me, but that scene I can't watch. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Yeah, so we just... It's um, Black Swan.
1: (laughs) We're talking about Black Swan. (laughs) With Natalie Portman, directed by Darren Aronofsky,
0: 2011? I think so. 2011. And um, this is the podcast,
1: Madness and Movies. Madness and Movies, where we examine pop culture through the lens of madness, but also examine madness through the lens of pop culture. And also find madness in the places that you least expect it, TM trademark I copyright. Like that.
0: Did you do you did you already say that? I or think you I
1: think I, I think I came up with that on the fly last week and I really like it. I
0: really like that. Finding
1: madness in the places you least expect it. That's
0: beautiful. It. Yeah, okay. And I'm Emily.
1: And I'm Andy. <laughs>
0: and we're doing Black Swan.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in case you didn't know. Yeah. Already
1: Um, we're doing Black Swan specifically as part of like a almost like a Mm two-parter with uh, Whiplash uh, that after we watched Whiplash last week, um, we became aware of a video by Lessons from the Screenplay kind of comparing the character arcs um, in Whiplash and Black Swan and that, that they're both very similar kind of thematically and structurally, right? That it's one person's like quest for perfection uh and there's the and there's the the grumpy mentor character and there's the there's the the like scheming rival and and they 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 give up everything they sacrifice everything and they you know whatever potentially go mad uh chasing the dream but they finally at the end the last see the last scene the last shot is their crowning glory it's their triumph And they, you know, and then what does that mean for them? And uh, so it's the same, like, arc, but it's very different interpretations and different flavors of that. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and frankly, it's also kind of gendered that Whiplash is about a dude and Black Swan's about a chick. (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) and I
0: think they both very much play around with this idea of the mad genius and or the mad artist um, yeah yeah, yeah. and what exactly that means in our culture Um, I I think they're both like very American in a lot of ways where like it's Mm -hmm. it's this idea of like hard work and self-sacrifice for like an original individual masterpiece and
1: you did that no one else yeah no one did that
0: yeah So I think, yeah, I I think they're both playing around in very gendered ways, especially Black Swan, I think, is really looking at what it means to be a a woman who's doing this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to just set up the the big, the framework just right now? Just lay it out? Or do we want to?
0: Do we want to do the synopsis first?
1: Oh, Jesus. Yes. (laughs) Hi, plot synopsis. Hello. (laughs) Um, Also, definitely a content warning on this one. Some weeks I don't give the the mature rating, you know, checkbox or whatever. Um, Yeah, if you haven't figured it out already, like, get the children out of the room. (laughs) Take take them, pick them up, put them in a separate room, and then come back. We're going to do the plot synopsis in three, two, one. Black Swan (laughs) follows... Natalie Portman as she uh, takes on the role of the Swan Queen, the Queen Swan, the Swan mm-hmm. Queen, Swan Queen. Swan yeah. Queen. <laughs> um, she's a ballerina in a ballet company that is kind of struggling, and so to uh, I guess turn the turn the company around, they they put on a very avant-garde. They risk it all on this showing of. The white of the white swan is the is the play called the white swan. It's called Swan Lake. Swan Lake. The, the play's called Swan Lake.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, they put on this, this Swan Lake and Natalie Portman is given the role of the Swan Queen, but just kind of like barely that she's like the Swan Queen is like this dual character where she, you know, she's both the white swan the the good the good princess and then the black swan is the, like the seductive evil one and so Natalie Portman is a very good white swan but not quite a good enough black swan but she's such a good white swan that it's like fine we'll give it to you but you got to figure out the black one and so that's her like journey through the whole movie is trying to be trying to learn how to be both the white swan you know graceful delicate And then the black swan is kind of, like, free and just ah, energetic and just raw and emotional and trying to find both sides of that in herself and trying to find the balance between the two. Um, And she's constantly haunted by um, 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 Lily, who's another ballerina, played by...
0: Mila Kunis. Mila
1: Kunis, thank you, (laughs) Um, who is... Uh, I don't know, a much better dark swan. She is more like, she's the cool girl. She does party drugs, and she goes out and drinks and sleeps around. And she's kind of a good black swan, and she's a good enough white swan. So it's sort of like her polar opposite, and Lily's always on her heels trying to take her, her role. And the director of the play is, like, trying to, like, sleep with her, and it's super weird, and so... And she, she she goes through all this emotional Torment and struggle and whatever And finally at the end uh, Becomes the black swan and like Finds this perfect for this One perfect moment finds both of Them in herself and it's like an Icarus Story like, like she flies too close to the Sun and she burns up and She dies she bleeds Out on the floor of the on the On the stage after giving The performance of a lifetime and You know, it was perfect. It was the perfect swan queen, and she dies happily ever after.
0: I don't know if it's happily ever after. (laughs) She
1: dies. Well, she's happy. Is she? She she smiles and stares into the... Into the light, and as she's going towards the light, she says, "It was perfect. I could feel it. It was perfect."
0: Okay, that's not my interpretation, <laughs> but, but that's definitely one way to look at it, and that's very valid, and I support you in your right to view it that
1: way. Am I right to be wrong? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So then, what is your interpretation then?
0: Okay. So, my interpretation, I think there are a lot of theories on this. She she goes pretty mad throughout the film, like, trying to take on this role of both the white swan and the black swan. Um, and she, she starts, like, harming herself in pretty severe ways and starts, um, like, seeing, I guess, having visions of herself um, doing, like terrifying things or violent actions um and she is um yeah in general she's not diagnosed but she's mentally ill but she just she goes pretty crazy um and so I think there are a lot of theories around madness in this film that have been written about and interpreted but the theory that I'm most interested in is the feminist theory around this film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that I really see it as a representation of the role and the standards that women are held to. So I think a lot of women are demanded to conform to both the virgin and the horror, the madonna horror dichotomy, to embody both a virginal, innocent... Um, good, pure, white, angelic um, figure, and then a seductive, sexual, desirable person who's um, very um, like sexually active and very um, and also beautiful. And yeah, women are expected to embody both of these standards at one time, um, yeah. and yet if they kind Of go in either direction, they're pretty much criticized or called mad. So, if, if a mm-hmm, woman is mm-hmm. too uptight or too, I guess, Madonna ish, too innocent, she ends up being called a prude or too rigid. I think um, frigid is a word that's sometimes mm-hmm. used. Cold. They use, they
1: literally use that in the movie. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, she said they, he said you were a little frigid.
0: Yeah, and then if they're too, you know, whorish or whatever, if they Mm -hmm. express any sexual desire whatsoever, then, yeah, they're called a whore or a slut or, you know, any of these names that basically say this this is a bad, evil woman, manipulative, she wants to be too sexual. Women shouldn't be like that. Um, If,
1: If you're looking, if you're trying to picture this in your head, you can kind of think of Angela from The Office versus... Meredith. Yes. (laughs) I think that's a really that's a really accessible metaphor. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) I absolutely love that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so like not only I think can women not be both in society, but they can't be one or the other. Like or they can't even be like moderately one or the other. It's like you just I mean in some ways it's like you just you, you can't be a woman. Um, <laughs> that's just a very bad thing to be because anything you do is like either too uptight and prudish or too like whorish and slutty. Um, and so, yeah, I think this movie is like playing around a lot with mm-hmm. that and looking at the impact on women. And so you have Nina who starts out as very madonna-ish very innocent very um kind of uptight very um like anxious about her performance doesn't ever drink doesn't really go out lives with her mom um and the director is basically saying you're too uptight you're too rigid like you need to loosen up um don't don't be so such a prude grow up you know like he basically says you're too childlike like grow up live a little And Mm -hmm. then when she tries to do that, when she starts, like, drinking and she goes out, she starts to become more sexually active, her mother is so angry and basically abuses her and, um, like, controls her whole life, prevents her from having any autonomy. Um, Traps
1: her in the room with the stuffed animals and the little music boxes. Like, literally traps her in her childhood and is like, you don't leave until I say you leave.
0: Yeah, it's... There's this one amazing scene where Nina is, like, attempting to masturbate and, like, explore her sexuality. Oh, she, and then yeah. you, like, see her mother right there. Like, she's asleep, but she's this ever-present figure that, oh like, gosh. Nina has to deal with that she cannot stray too far. I had that into, same note. Yeah. She, she like, yeah. cannot stray too far away from this Madonna role or she will be, like, shamed for this.
1: Yeah, it's, like, everybody wants her to be free, but in but they all have their own definition of free, and no one actually mm-hmm. wants her to be free. Nobody will let her be free or let let her loose. They keep, like, they're, like, yeah, the director is like, you need to loosen up, so here I'm just going to, like, grab you by the pussy.
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> and her mom is, he like... He literally
0: does that when literally, she's something. Yeah.
1: Literally, like, just comes up behind her and, like... And grabs it's, her by the... Yeah. And literally her mom is like, Nina, Nina, you need to loosen up. It'll be okay. Let me lock you in your room. Don't worry about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Her mom is, I think, like, represents that to this, like, double bind she's in. And her mom will say, oh, loosen up. Don't stress so much. But then the minute she tries to go out or have friends. Or Or do anything. Yeah. Her mom is like, what are you doing? Where are you going? How dare you have dinner with your friend who's in your dance company? Like, her mom is so intense. Or,
1: how dare you do anything that I'm not aware of?
0: Yeah, her mom, like, Nina is going to go to this gala to kind of be introduced as the new lead dancer. And you have this moment where she tells her mom, like, oh, I I couldn't. I tried to get you to come. I tried to ask if you could come, but you couldn't. And her mom's, like, disappointed. (laughs) Like, she wants to be with Nina constantly everywhere she goes. Yeah.
1: I got the sense that Nina didn't actually invite her mom. No, I don't think so. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think... There's, there's also, like, Freudian interpretations of this about how Nina's trying to develop into a woman and her mom's, like, preventing her. Her mom's hindering her development. Um,
1: Watching her while she masturbates and all that.
0: Yeah. Um, but I also worry that that, like freudian interpretation of it Mm -hmm. almost defines growing up as becoming yeah becoming sexual becoming this like almost like whorish or whatever um yeah as as like becoming seductive it's it's almost like defined within these patriarchal terms that the director is defining it
1: and he's right (laughs) yeah the director that's yeah, groping her and clearly, like, sleeping with some of the other dancers is right, and that he gets to set the terms, and that he's he's trying to guide her. Yeah. He, yeah.
0: That's how I feel the Freudian interpretation is, that, like, mothers are bad, they hinder your development, and the patriarchy is correct, and women just need to become more sexual. I don't know. So, but obviously there's some truth in it that, yeah, her mother is, like, hindering her development. But I think everyone, both the mother and the director, are... Preventing her from just being a human being, being somewhere in the spectrum between Madonna and horror like every single person actually is.
1: Yeah, because the director's not actually letting her, like, he doesn't want her to actually, like, explore herself or find her own whatever. He's like, you should be sexual. Here, I'm going to touch you.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, like, forces himself on her and he's defining for her what she should be, what she should become. Um and also, yeah, he's, he's also kind of, like, really going along with this narrative that women need to be separable into their Madonna and horror components, that mm-hmm. she can be the white mm-hmm. swan or she can be the black swan, but she's not allowed to exist in between. She's not allowed to just be a person.
1: Yeah. And I think visually they do a lot of that with mirrors. Like, that was a thing that I noticed real early on is, like, almost every other shot has a mirror in it somewhere. It's not necessarily always focused on, but everything is viewed, either viewed through a mirror, or you'll see, you know, whatever, Natalie Portman will be in framed in such a way that she's in the frame twice, right, that she's, you know, her and her reflection, and they just they really lean into that sort of this, like, split, this, like, fracturing of the, I don't know, of the psyche.
2: Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, even, like, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's almost, like, the, I don't know, the self and, like, the perceived self that I think the, my, I think the visual language is trying to say that, like, like, what's in the mirror is is framed as, as, like, what the character thinks of themselves or what Mm -hmm. the perception of that character is through, you you know, maybe the, you know, another character's eyes, like another character is seeing the reflection, but the real person is standing right here, but you're not looking at the real person, you're looking at the reflection. Like, There's a lot of that. There's a lot of... The, the early tryout scene, we see the director, the director is not watching her dance, he's watching mm-hmm. the mirror. Oh, that We have the director in the foreground, sort of the, the foreground of the scene, and then the entire scene is played out against a mirror, that he's not watching her, he's watching what he thinks he sees of her.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I think it's just, it's, and of course it becomes more explicit later in the movie, right? Where they, like, suddenly her reflection starts behaving differently. Her reflection isn't her reflection anymore. Her reflection is actively trying to thwart her. Yeah. Right? And then she, and then at the end, of course she kills, uh, you know, quote unquote kills Lily but she breaks the mirror. She throws her, like, her evil self-slash-lily, throws her into the mirror, shatters the mirror, and then, like, fucking stabs her with it. Like, I don't know. Like, it just... It, that, like, that's... It, per, like, perfectly just, like, punctuates the whole, like, yeah, visual metaphor of that. Like, like screw your perceptions. Screw what you think of me. I'm gonna be me. Um, and just, like... Uh, yeah, but of course, the the me that she is is completely unsustainable and un and again, Icarus flies too close; to the sun burns out, dies yeah. in a pool of blood.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't get the sense at the end that she was going to be herself or like mm-hmm. exist as a human being. So yeah, so my I'll say my interpretation okay. of the ending, okay, yeah, which yeah, yeah. is that um, a lot less optimistic than yours. <laughs> <Apologies>. <laughs> Clearly. Um, yeah, I got that just basically she um, decided to be the unattainable or she was able to be the unattainable. So, like, Lily, I think throughout the movie, represents this unattainable ideal of a woman who manages to not be too Madonna-ish or too whore and manages to, like, embody both. Mm-hmm. Um, and... My interpretation is that perhaps Lily is just a figment of her imagination Ooh. throughout the whole movie, or maybe like the version of Lily that we know is okay. Kind of yeah, a figment, yeah, yeah, yeah. That she's not real, because or that
1: Lily's not as good as um, Nina thinks she is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, because I do think it is unattainable to be both the Madonna and the horror and embody both, but also not be too much either way, and. So I think that at the end, she does attain this unattainable, but in the process, she literally kills herself. Yeah. Um, so she, like, stabs herself, or she thinks she's stabbing someone else, but she stabs herself, and then she dies at the end, and she says, "'I was perfect.'" And that's how the movie basically ends. And everyone's applauding her. The director, finally, like he throughout the whole movie, he's like criticizing her he's like and nagging angry. her. Yeah. And he finally says they loved you. It was great. He calls her his little princess, which she's Ooh, wanted. She kind of like strives yeah. after his affection throughout the whole movie. She like is kind of crushing on him or whatever. Um, so she finally like attains this. She's finally attains his approval. She finally attains the audience's approval. She finally attains perfection but she dies and i felt my interpretation was like this is what the patriarchy does the only way you can be perfect as a woman the only way you can be good enough and attain the approval of men or of society as a woman the only way you can embody both of this madonna and horror both of these identities the only way you cannot be too much one or too much the other is to not exist like literally that ideal, that perfection does not exist. And I, I, yeah, I felt like it was a comment on men's like impossible standards, the impossible standards we hold women women to. Um, literally, I felt like it was this comment that like men want dead women, like men, men want women who do not actually exist or who are literally dead, who like kill themselves in the process of trying to meet their standards. Wow.
1: Yeah, that is a lot darker than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in, in Lily in your interpretation then. That like I don't know. Like I I like just listening to that. Like I'm trying to figure out it, yeah, is Lily ima- is Lily imaginary? Is she um I guess I I my gut says that like Lily is just not as I don't know, sexual, or or that Lily is sort of in real life, in real life, air quotes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, not not the perception of her, but the real Lily is, uh, I guess, kind of a mushy middle where she's, yeah, where she, where she is somewhere in between being a Madonna and being a whore, but she's not. The perfect Madonna and a total, you know, and can be sexual. She's just sort of somewhere in the middle, where she's kind of sexual, like she's, but she's kind of like, yeah, in the middle, like, like kind of sexual and kind of and kind of like not really. I don't know, good at either one. <laughs> Instead of being the perfect embodiment of each you know, of both, like is, is sort of like okay at both. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but the uh, Natalie Portman Nina Nina the character name is Nina uh, doesn't perceive it that way Mm -hmm. and, like, hypes are up this perfect person. Yeah,
0: I think that's very possible. Yeah, I think it's either that or that Lily is, like, literally imaginary that... (laughs) I don't know. I think it's potentially possible, um, especially because of this idea that, like, Nina sees her as someone who's after her and trying to take her role um, and I don't know. Couldn't that just at least like representatively, not necessarily mm. like a literal interpretation of the film, but couldn't that at least represent just this ideal that she can't meet? Um, this woman that's impossible, as opposed to like someone. It's it's on her heels. There. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Damn. I like yours. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you always have the good interpretations? <laughs> Like, I've got, like, interesting notes on mirrors, but you've got, like, ideas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think the mirrors are such a big part of this, though. So um, one of the first things that I learned in mad studies, um, like mad studies and feminism, is that um, women, a lot of times mad women in literature and movies, represent the like sexual desires or impulses or just even just um rebellious impulses in general of women um so one of the first examples that I read about was the book Jane Eyre where she's kind of this um quote-unquote like a good woman like pure like not too unrestrained kind of works hard and um, is relatively innocent, um, not too sexual or anything like that. And then you have this woman, Bertha Mason, um, who's this mad woman like locked in a closet and just she
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> well,
0: it it takes place in like the eighteen hundreds or something.
1: She's literally in the closet.
0: I think she's locked in a closet. Wow. She's locked somewhere, like maybe wow. in a basement. I don't know. I, it, okay. She's like treated horribly. Okay. Um, but Jane needs her and. Bertha is, like, she's described very, like, animalistically. She's, like, I think she's on all fours when Jane meets her, and she's, like, running around and, like, very sexual and, wow. like, very, like, just explicit language and kind of attacking. Um, and so there's there's a lot of feminist theorists who have kind of um, interpreted that as Bertha Mason representing um, Jane's like unfulfilled desires and mm. her rebellious impulses that are not able to be achieved because she lives under the patriarchy. Um, and yeah, I, I think that so there's this idea, and then that, that idea has been played around with in a lot of literature around just like the mad woman representing unfulfilled desires. Um, and I think that yeah, just this idea of the double um, of like a, a figure of madness um Representing sort of like an evil twin or something like that um, is kind of pretty common. So I think that's that could be a role that the mirror is playing. Oh no, I think that's the
1: explicit role of the mirror. Yeah, and well, yeah, I I think potentially even they go beyond that. But yeah, no, that is yeah very much yeah the the mirror is kind of like splitting and segmenting her out. But I, I think even beyond that, like I don't know, when she comes back. The club, right? She goes out to the club and gets like super, like trashed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she's, I don't know. Yeah, she's on some mystery drug that My Kunis gave her,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and she comes back and it's just this shot of this big octagon mirror, and it's just this octagon mirror with all these little fractal mirrors around it, and it's just it's 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 just set up in such a way that you just see it, it's I don't know. It's almost it feels like a fly's eye view, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Where just a thousand, a thousand little versions of her. And it's just like, like to me, that just felt like her sense of self, her is like completely just shattered in that moment. Like she's just coming back. She doesn't know who she is or what she is. It's just like, just debris and shards of Nina just scattered all over. And she's trying to like pick them up and put them back together. And like, who am I now? Like, like, that is, she is fundamentally changed in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, I, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think the mirrors do a lot, yeah. I mean, again, what I was talking about earlier, yeah, just the, uh, the, what am I trying to say? Oh, yeah, sort of showing what are we focusing on and what are the, I guess, yeah, the perspective, the perception versus reality.
0: yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah, I really think the idea that people are kind of looking at her reflection or they're looking at this version of her that they want, um, that they're kind of pushing her into, I I like that idea as well. I think that's true.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I was really interested in uh, in this movie was sort of I guess again in comparing it to Whiplash um one thing that jumped out to me was very much that the genre the genre flip the like Whiplash very much felt like a sports movie almost like it felt like it had like the the structure of a sports movie right like oh he gets the big game and he overcomes and he scores mhm um and this very much had the tone and feel of like a horror movie like a like with the classical music that swells and it felt like kind of a like a theatrical horror. Yeah. yeah. Um and I, I I I'm interested in talking through like what that genre change does to our perception of that arc. Yeah. And that that, that that striving for greatness.
0: I don't for me, I felt that Black Swan was taking Aronofsky was taking a lot stronger stance and saying My interpretation, at least, was Mm -hmm. that he was saying, no, this is not worth it. This is not, like, not leaving the question to you of, like, Mm -mm, is it mm -mm, worth mm -mm. it? Like, should you die for your art? Like, no, I got the (laughs) sense that he was saying, like...
1: What a fucking tragedy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we're we're putting women into these, like, confining roles where Mm. basically their only option is to fail to meet our expectations and be considered you know, a horror or a prude, or they can not exist and, like, finally meet our expectations by hmm. dying. Um, yeah. And so that's why I felt like it was horror. It was not, like, a game. It was not overcoming. It was not, is it worth it? Is all this work worth it? Oh, do you have to sacrifice some part of yourself? It was like, you cannot exist if you want to succeed. <laughs> and that's it.
1: Yeah, so I, if, if I'm hearing you correctly... Yeah. I th- I'm i hearing that the uh, the decision to say, like, no, this won't have a happy ending, we need to show this is terrible, came before the genre choice?
0: I think. I would imagine.
1: And I, I, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I, I generally agree with that, I guess, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. That, like, I think shifting it to horror, like... I think the biggest change to me is that, uh, I guess her demise feels inevitable instead of mm-hmm. in a sports movie, like you're, you're waiting for the finale, the big success. And it's, n- it's not the same. Like, this is very much a movie where the darkness catches up to her and not a movie where you, you outrun the darkness and you overcome and you score and it's, oh, a big flashy hooray. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um...
1: Yeah, and I think that's yeah, I think it's kinda of what you were saying, yeah, just the decision to make a hor- make it horror, I guess, kind of comes comes out of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Like this is very much a, a genre and a structure wherein like that's acceptable if you did, <laughs> if you did a Rocky if you did a Rocky where, where his his flaws and his insecurities catch up with him and he's like and he like defeats Apollo Creed but like or he like he like or he like has some like emotional victory like he he you know like in the movie right like he gets he gets the girl and he he loses to Apollo but it's okay because he's got he's got Adrian and it's sort of a happily ever after but if it, instead it was like he like. Apologizes to Adrian at the last moment like like he well actually shoot. I did Aronofsky I'm, I'm just this is just clicking right now. There is a movie like this. There is a movie like this I think it's called like the wrestler or something It's like a weird indie movie that I saw mm. and didn't understand because I was too young but it is it's about like a a uh, like a WWE wrestler who's uh-huh. like broken down and he's just trying to Try and make it work, but that's the only skill he has that's the only thing he knows and he's trying to make amends with his daughter. You know, it's one of these, like, he abandoned his kids when he, you know, to, to pursue his dreams, and now his dreams are dead, and he's trying to reconnect with his daughter. And, he, and, and he's, like, taking more and more painkillers because he's broken down, and he's... And so is he's ta- this
0: Requiem for a Dream, by any chance? There's
1: no way this is Requiem okay, for a Dream. Okay, okay. I
0: just know that's Aronofsky's other film, but... Um, other big film, but yeah.
1: Yeah, but it is that he, like... He, like, sort of manages to, like, apologize to his daughter a little bit or come to some sort of understanding where she doesn't, like, love him, but she sort of accepts that he's human and flawed and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And he, and he like, stuffs razor blade. And they they keep telling him, like, your heart's going to give out. you got to stop wrestling. And he's like, this is the only thing I know. And he does this big match to, like, you know, like, reach out to his daughter, right? You know, that kind of thing. Like, prove himself to her. And she finally understands him. And he goes into the ring and he gets cut up by razor blades and then he like his heart stops and he just dies on the ring and it's
0: wow
1: awful that's awful I yeah I was expecting a Rocky movie I was like 12 or something and I, I was expecting 12. like Rocky oh my God. and it wasn't Rocky he like <laughs> dies at the end and it's awful
2: that's so sad
1: <laughs> and it is but that's, that's a case where like the genre of the movie like almost betrays it I yeah, guess yeah yeah and this is and I think that's why this has to be kind of yeah just a, like a really like horror movie almost yeah yeah Uh, And I think that's also, I I, I also, um, what year did Birdman come out?
0: I don't know. I feel like it was recent-ish, I
1: feel like Birdman was like 2013 or something. Okay, maybe. Either way, I felt like there was a lot in common with Birdman as well.
0: Oh, I didn't see it.
1: Oh, you didn't see Birdman. I
0: didn't.
1: Okay, yeah, Birdman... I mean, not a lot in common, but I think Birdman sort of has the same kind of, like, magical realism
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, element, where it's very light. Like, I I guess the the scene at the end where she transforms into the swan, like, literally, like, her dreams manifest in reality. Felt very similar to, like, yeah, Birdman.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And, uh... Yeah, just in, in, I don't know, I I think that's an interesting, like, cinematic trend is sort of, yeah, taking the neuroses or whatever of this character and literally, I guess maybe it's just that the CGI is available now, mm-hmm. and just, like, manifesting that in the real world just for a moment to, like, give you a glimpse into their psyche. Well, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um... But I think, but that's also a film about, you know, performers. That's, that, that's also, that's actors, I guess, in that case. But they kind of the same thing, like this, like, blaze of glory, blaze of glory, but tripping, you know, like, yeah, but like losing his mind. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and
0: BoJack Horseman is kind of doing that
1: ooh, too. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, 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 so yeah. That's becoming
0: like an increasingly common narrative
1: of like. Or, or at least way of showing that narrative, I yeah, guess. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh huh.
1: Yeah, I mean, BoJack, like the joke is like they have an infinite CGI budget.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they do.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> animated, you know. You, yeah, yeah, it's animated. They just draw whatever they want. Yeah. Um. Ooh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, but I, I think yeah, just this idea of visually showing what it's like for. An artist to transform into this role or become, yeah, become the person that they're, like, performing. I think that that's, that's interesting. That's being shown more and more in this visual way.
1: Yeah. I think that's, like, the curly hair brunette, curly hair brunette equals crazy woman thing. Uh Uh-huh. In other words, just a thing to put a pin in and yeah, just like keep yeah. an eye out for in future viewings. Yes, totally. Because like the more we're talking about this, the more I'm going. Oh, but also.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think yeah. We stumbled into something interesting. Yeah, that
0: is interesting. So I wanted to talk also a little bit about the gendering. Yes. In Whiplash versus Black Swan. Because um, one's
1: a chick and one's a dude. <laughs> one's a Jim and one's a Pam. Sure. No, not really. Not really. It doesn't fit. Those, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put a pause on the office references. <laughs> Go ahead. Talk gender to me.
0: Um, yeah, I just think Black Swan, like, specifically was playing around a lot with feminism and with the standards women are held to. Um I'm not sure that Whiplash played around as much with the standards that men are held to. Um, although a little bit, because I do think the, the teacher, Fletcher, the um Show no
1: emotion, show no fear.
0: Yeah, and very, he would use very misogynistic language and constantly say, like, you're a pussy, you're weak, you're, you, you ladies, you girls, you know, yeah. to insult them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah, I, I do think there was this idea of, like, you need to be physically strong and you need to not show any... Withstand
1: emotion. pain.
0: Yes, yes. And that was the ideal that he was trying to embody.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of this comes out in sort of... I guess, like, the best way I can describe it is like, the axes that we measure the growth mm-hmm. of the character mm-hmm. on, right? That, uh... Uh, yeah, Black Swan is sort of again—it's Madonna whore. Like that's mm-hmm. sort of those are sort of your axes. Madonna whore, uh, like sort of introspective versus like reckless and loose. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I guess Whiplash is much more, yeah, more as uh, I don't know, I don't know, bootstrap axis. I guess like very much like. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the success versus happiness, mm-hmm. uh, but also, yeah, just like self control versus like I don't know. I almost think they show the the father as like weakness yeah. or like I don't know. Maybe not even weakness so much as just like um...
0: ordinariness, partly
1: ordinary, yeah, self indulgent almost, yeah, a little bit, yeah, so, the raisinets. The raisinets, the dad puts candy in his popcorn.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And Andrew is like, Ugh, I can't know. Oh, that's
0: interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of that.
1: Yeah, the dad puts candy in his popcorn. That's like, Ugh, gross.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, like. Yeah.
0: Which is like, it is almost the masculine version of Madonna horror. You know, it really comes down to like restraint versus lack of restraint or whatever. Hmm.
1: On both, on both, uh, both movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because Madonna Horror is like, you need, I think women, maybe the difference is like women are supposed to be both at once. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to exercise restraint and lack of restraint, like, and know exactly when. And be able to flip that switch. And yeah. How, yeah. Yeah. Flip the switch. We both. And I think men, I think it's more just the one that they're supposed to exercise restraint, like constantly. Mm-hmm. Um there's no restraint there's no switch they're supposed to flip. It's just like restraint all the time and if you falter you are mad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. The Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just villains villains, bad guys are always Yeah, they're more they're always more at least male mm-hmm. I guess bad guys are more flamboyant and gesticulate more and bleh, you know, big arm movements or they're or they're eating or they're
2: yeah.
1: Wow. Eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the villains are too loose and, voila, you know, they're more f- flexible and wavy and.
0: Mm-hmm. Like animated. Ones. Yeah, animated, yeah, yeah. animated. Yeah. I
1: de- yeah, I don't know. I definitely think of Scar and The Lion King, right? Like every little yeah. thing has a flourish. Yeah, Everything amazing. with a flourish and a gesture and mm, Simba. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I also think, too, like, even, like, anger for men, like, there's, you know, uncontrollable anger is bad, um, but, I mean, women, like, yeah, lacking restraint is bad, too, and, like, going too far in that direction is, like, mad and crazy, but, um, yeah, it's it's more about, like, striking the perfect balance of both, and of both lacking restraint and having restraint, um, yeah. Yeah, I I think that in Whiplash. The interesting thing is, I think this dichotomy between like happiness and success um, Mm -hmm. is very much there. I think in Black Swan, there's no option for her to be happy. Right. And maybe that's that's amazing.
1: That's 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 just such a like (laughs) like a simple, but also mind blowing like whoa moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Just sit in that for a minute. There is no happy ending.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, the only way to be happy or to have a happy ending is to cease to exist. Yeah. Wow. And that's not happy.
1: Unless that's what you want, I, I guess. I mean, sure, that's yeah, not... whatever, but... <laughs> I don't
0: know. Yeah, but
1: that's not living happily ever after. Right,
0: right. It's not as good as that, anyways. <sighs> yeah. Whoa. Something else that I was really interested in with Black Swan Mm -hmm. um, that didn't really appear in Whiplash was age.
2: Um,
0: In Black Swan, early on, one of the first notes that I have is about this dancer, Beth, um, who was the former lead dancer of the company. And one of the first conversations you ever hear, they're talking about how she's getting too old. She's approaching menopause. She needs to retire. Your career has to end after a certain point. Do we ever find out how old she actually is? Nope. She doesn't look old. She's like
1: 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she's 30.
0: It's awful. Yeah. Um,
1: Maybe 40 at the oldest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not over 40. Um,
1: and they make some. And, and, and Nina. I think this is interesting that Nina is the only person who like stands up for her and is like, well, hey, so and so dancer danced well into her 50s. And everyone else in the room is like, Pff, yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like
1: dismissive or like, I know, isn't that so gross? Or like, whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, And Nina kind of looks up to Beth, I think, um, but quickly finds out that Beth is just nothing. She's like totally dismissed, treated like she's completely worthless. Basically, you see once Nina is selected as the lead in Swan Lake, She's introduced at this gala and they bid Beth adieu and say, Every great career comes to an end and now she's out <laughs> and
1: Do you think Beth knew bit that before that moment?
0: She probably well, Oh, because they
1: had the they had the locker room scene or whatever where she like trashes her changing room and like storms out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so she knew. Yeah, she yeah. Yeah. Knew.
0: yeah. But yeah, I wrote in my notes that Beth is very much seen as borderline. Um, oh God, yeah. She she has this scene with the director the director is talking to nina at this gala and just singing her praises and do you want to come to my place tonight and beth is basically asking the director like i want to talk to you please listen to me hear me out and the director just totally dismisses her beth says don't dismiss me um i wrote down as a quote and then she says you make the most of it nina um, like this isn't gonna last long, and um, and then she kills herself, or she tries to kill herself, um, and instead
1: only destroys her legs and her career.
0: Yeah. Um. And has
1: to live with that, whatever that shame and guilt and crushing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Again, no happy endings.
0: Right. Right. No, no happy happiness. endings for anybody yeah. here. Um
1: She's used up and spit out. Yes. And then told that she, she has to pull it together.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, basically, she needs to get it together, like, she's crazy, of course, um, and I just thought she was an example of someone who, like, embodies this, like, horror idea that, you know, she's, she's not innocent any longer, she's old, and she's, yeah, she's used up, yeah, um, and no longer useful, <laughs> um, to anybody, which is the theme that we've touched on before, no longer beautiful, And Nina is seen as too young, um, too Madonna-ish. She, she's too innocent. She's too childlike. The director is kind of, I think, trying to, like, force her to grow up or Mm -hmm. pushing this idea onto her that growing up means becoming sexual. Yes. Um, and becoming seductive. And if she's not that, then that means she hasn't grown up and she hasn't become an adult. Um... And her mom is trying to kind of keep her childlike, keep her living with Mm -hmm, her, control mm -hmm. her life. And other people are trying to get her to grow up, trying to get her to do drugs, go out more. Um, And no one is like, okay, with just the age she's at. That's like impossible. She either has to grow up or be more childlike, depending on who's influencing her.
1: Yeah. I also think it's really interesting... I don't know, thinking about uh, Beth and Nina's, I don't know, I guess career trajectories? Mm -hmm. That they both... I I got the sense that Nina, like, completely outshone Beth in her one performance, right? In her one Swan Lake. She, like, changed everything, right? And, um, you know, was better than Beth ever was. Oh my god, I'm Mm -hmm. so, you know where did we find this girl? This is amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But they end up in the same place. And I think that Beth made the same deal with the devil, but just never quite shone as brightly, never shined as brightly, mm-hmm. shone, shined, yeah. shined as brightly. And never, and so like managed to drag it out for a few years before burning out
0: Yeah. and yeah.
1: collapsing into a sad heap.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing about Beth is that she doesn't cease to exist. She continues existing, and literally, if you're human, you're not perfect. You can't attain that ideal, and so in, like, continuing to exist as opposed to, like, destroying herself, mm-hmm. she continues this imperfect existence that's, like, not okay, that's, like, basically nothing. And Nina, who, like, dies, she gets to be perfect.
1: Mm-mm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that's another theme. Like, I think it, it's a movie about binaries, too. And I think one other binary is this idea of either you're perfect or you're nothing. Um, Ooh. So I think Nina's mom is a really, really interesting and fascinating figure as well. She basically says that she got pregnant with Nina, and so she gave up her career mm-hmm. as a ballerina. Um, and again, you see her her and Beth both are like nothing. They're like old, and even though they, they had careers as dancers, like they might as well just be nothing. They're treated as totally worthless.
1: Um, Same thing for the trainers in the studio, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, the dance instructors. Yeah. Right? Are like better but, than Nina, right? Like they're teaching Nina how to do... Thing and I, for a second I'm like, why doesn't the instructor just go out and do that? Clearly she knows how this works. Yeah. And then Emily's like, well, because she's old. And <laughs> yes. then and then immediately the the, the, the instructor is like s- just swept out of the room by the director, like, get hey, get out, get out, get out. I need to. Yeah. Sp- <laughs> you know they're just they're like janitors basically
0: <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i I would be curious to find out kind of in this like ballet world how much instructors in these huge important performances are actually paid like if they're if they make you know on par with the director at all or if they're like paid next to nothing because they're too old to perform and they're not a man so they can't they face barriers to being directors i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah, I just found that interesting that like, I felt like the whole film you were presented with a choice between perfect and nothing, and yeah, um, in getting to not exist, Nina gets to be perfect, but like <laughs>
2: her,
0: her life and ends up being nothing. I mean, ends up like not existing, so she is she's you know, both. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: she 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 gets that binary as well. She's perfect <laughs> and she's nothing. It's Magic. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, yeah, I found that really, I found her mother just in general, like, really fascinating how, like, she basically, because she's had this career ripped away from her because she got pregnant and then got old, um, she is then, like, inflicting this abuse on Tanina.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just living vicariously through her. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, no, her, yeah, her relationship with her mom is just Awful. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just, I don't really have anywhere to go with that thought other than just to highlight again, just like, Oh God.
0: Yeah. That was, that's like honestly the most horrifying part of the movie. I think. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think just more things. I I did want to talk a little bit about Nina's scratching. Like that comes up relatively early in the movie. Okay. Okay. Continues to surface. And, I quickly read, like, a Freudian interpretation that was basically saying that she scratches herself more and more throughout the movie as Mm -hmm. she's transforming and becoming more sexual and she is basically, like, ashamed or she's taught to be be ashamed by her mother of these sexual desires and so she's, like, scratching herself to, like, punish herself or to repress um, her sexual feelings. And I thought that was a potential interpretation, maybe, um...
1: You, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard? No, that yeah, that she's distinctly uncomfortable and unhappy with uh whatever she's becoming. Um however you want to interpret that, whether you want to take it very literally and she's turning into a swan and the feathers are itchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah, or the or the yeah, her sexuality or uh I guess even if you don't want to make it explicitly about sexuality, just the kind of performer that she's becoming or that she's giving up parts of herself to try to become this Mm -hmm. perfect uh, character and she's, like, sacrificing her values and her identity, that her identity is, like, falling away from her and she doesn't like who she is, but she wants to be this person, but she isn't. Mm -hmm,
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it could also just be read as, like, The physical impact of the patriarchy and of being like forced to embody both the madonna and the whore and Mm -hmm. both the black swan and the white swan and like like what what do you do besides like yeah your your body your brain your body and minds will somehow like destruct itself will go mad and scratching is just one manifestation Mm. of that
1: yeah that i I think yeah, that's supported by everything else in the movie, like her her toenails falling out and her mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. her just constantly just like getting scratches and bruises and bleeding and what was there a thing with her diaphragm?
0: Yeah, where the
1: like, the you know someone's like sticking their hand like underneath her rib cage and like doing weird like breathing exercises and she's clearly in pain. hmm And just yeah, just the physical toll that it yes. takes.
0: Yes. Yeah, and also, I mean, the Madonna whore complex is very, like, embodied, right, that, like, the Madonna is someone who exercises control over her body um, and is perfectly restrained, like, almost doesn't even, like, have a body, like, the body doesn't exist, she's almost, like, just a brain, right, and then, like, the body is, like, small, you know, we usually think of, and like, almost doesn't exist, and then the horror is, like, totally embodied and,
2: Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, almost, mm -hmm. like,
0: not a brain, like, the bodily desires are, like, taking over. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I I tend to view self-harm as, like, kind of a struggle between those, between the body Mm -hmm. and the mind, and so that might be it, like, it's, it's both kind of, like, the body, like, the bodily impulse to, like, lash out and commit violence, like, that that's kind of part of it of that that impulse taking over, but then it's also the brain like inflicting harm onto the body and like overcoming this impulse to not feel pain or to resist pain. So yeah, it's, it's like the power, it's a power struggle, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think she scratches more. I don't remember, I, I can't 100% back this up, but I think she scratches more when she's being pushed more towards the horror side and then she's punished for scratching mm-hmm. yeah. and like stop yeah. scratching when she's being pushed more towards madonna so it is very like control right the like to control yourself don't scratch don't touch don't you know uh versus yeah just it, i don't know like the scratching is like a loss of control or just like an impulse just a raw just argh, impulse and so um mm-hmm. yeah 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 super interesting yeah this is fast I did not put this much thought into the scratching at all like I have zero notes that mention the word scratching Hmm. to me yeah it just right over my head Um, that's
0: I'm a scratcher and this is the (laughs) first film that I ever saw I saw this in high school This was the first film I ever saw where I knew of anyone else besides me scratching themselves. And so Mm -hmm. I felt really, really comforted by
1: that. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I always was made to feel that I was, like, totally crazy. And I, I, like, even not just for self-harming, but specifically for scratching, I would be like, why can't I be, like, a normal person and do it with a razor? (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> Yay, Aronofsky.
1: <laughs> you know what? Take your little victories where you can get them.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I do know for me, it's really interesting that, like, scratching and cutting come from two different places a lot of times. Like, mm. when I scratch myself, it's a lot more like. Lost control, Rah. like bodily impulses. Like I cannot do anything else. I it's often my face, um, because, honest, to be honest, just like your face is the easiest place to scratch and like for it to draw blood. It's a thin layer of skin. Oh, um, and
1: drawing blood is the goal.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, um, not. I want okay. it to hurt. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and your face is an easy place to hurt. Like it. Oh, turns it like a bitch. Nerve yeah. endings. Yeah. Um. So. Like, yeah, I'll just unrestricted... Like, even though, like, my intellectual self, like, knows, like, hey, if you scratch your face, someone's going to ask about that, like...
1: Yeah, you have to go to class tomorrow and...
0: In these, like, moments, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, raw, like, scratch my face. The quickest, easiest thing that I can do to cause myself pain. But then, like, the cutting with a razor comes from much more of a place of like control, like restraint, like punishment, like I'm going to punish myself. I'm I'm going to like Ooh. plan this out. I hate myself right now and, you're, you're and I'm going to like take it out.
1: Yeah. And I think similarly like like I have noticed this that like you will make an excuse and quietly go into <laughs> you will like plot yeah. A, 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 a cutting session that you will like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Give me something to do. Hey, can you go look up this thing? I'm gonna go to the bathroom really quick, and just walk in there and very quietly just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and like, yeah. For me, cutting is a lot more. Yeah, just it's it's like a, a planned coping mechanism. I feel like the same way that someone's like, yeah, like I'm gonna have a night out for drinking because I'm too stressed. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna like do this cutting. Um, There's, like, a lot of, like, knowledge that goes into it. Um, And it's also, like, I I do a lot of, like, harm reduction. Like, I make sure to, like, clean my razor and everything. But, and I also, it's, like, a way, sometimes I'm, like, not even feeling that bad. But it's a way to, like, increase my pain tolerance. So it's very much, like, a mind-inflicting pain onto the body type thing of, like, Hmm. you are bad and you deserve to feel pain right now. Versus the scratching, which is more of, like, a release of uncontrollable anxiety. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's super interesting to me that like, I, I wonder if the scratching was similar, that it was like this release of like uncontrollable, like
1: nervous. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nervousness and like shame and anger towards self and mm. yeah. Um, but yeah. Do you want to go through no Light, lightning, lightning round? Yeah.
1: All right. We should try to make this an actual lightning round. Okay. Because sometimes I like we, like we go through and then get like like really like sit on one for a minute and I want to just like pow 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 just. Okay, shotgun in that
0: case, I had a question for okay. you. Okay. Okay. As a visual person, what okay. did you think of the self portraits, or I don't know if self, but all the all the paintings of Nina? That's are those in her mom's room or?
1: Yeah. Those are in her mom's room, and I think, and because this is such a, like, unreliable narrator kind of film, I don't... What There was a shot, right, or, of her mom, like, crying and painting as some kind of portrait?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: But was that real?
0: Hmm.
1: But does not matter if that's real?
0: But, like, what do you think it represents?
1: <sighs> I think it's her mom... Trying to manifest whatever is in her head, her dreams. The, the, like I thought, it was ambiguous whether the person in the portrait was the mom or the daughter. Uh. And I think it's the mom trying to, yeah, manifest, just force her. I don't know. Yeah, her will, her vision on onto the onto the universe through Nina and through the painting and through just like this is what needs to exist. Oh, that's and however she can make that exist, she will. She will make it exist.
0: Okay, yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. So okay. lightning round.
1: Uh, the first shot of the film is a ballerina, but she's all alone, and it's like a you know, a white ballerina against a black background. And I think that was just perfect. And it was very like stark and the music underneath was unsettling and like almost ominous, and it was just and and it was a dream. And, like, all of that just, like, it just perfectly sums up the entire movie in, like, 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Great great work, Darren.
0: Yeah. Um, I had Swan Lake. Um, You find out the story of the ballet um, in the beginning, and Mm -hmm. it's about um, basically someone who is trying to be free and can only be freed through true love. And she falls in love, but then her true love falls in love with her evil twin um and so her only option left to free herself is by killing herself and um i just thought that was at the beginning i was like are those women's only two options to like be free (laughs) to find their true lover to kill themselves um and i feel like yeah at certain points in history that that might be true
1: (laughs) um I have yeah just a thousand notes on mirrors just every time mm-hmm. they they use mirrors so many different ways that were really interesting. Um but I was really fascinated yeah when she goes into Beth's goes into Beth's dressing room and like sees herself in the superstar mirror for a moment and just like really like sees herself in the superstar's mm-hmm. mirror. I thought that was just a great little moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Um let's see. Her mother says at one point, um, like, oh, there's so much pressure on you. And says, when you get older, there's all this pressure. And I thought that was interesting, just as a commentary on aging.
1: Hmm. Uh, um, wow, I think I actually hit a lot of these. Let me see. Oh, okay. This was just a fascinating, like, little craft moment mm-hmm. um, that they use this a couple different times where if with a very like wide angle lens it sort of distorts what, whatever's kind of in the center of the frame is kind of like stretched out a little bit and more emphasized um and so you know the traditional examples that it makes people look like they have bigger noses mm-hmm. but they kind of leaned into that a little bit where like the actors knew that and were aware of that they're like there's a couple shots where the director intentionally, the, the in-film director, the French asshole, um, <laughs> he's very intense and he kind of leans down a little bit. He, like, he tips his head down a little bit. so His eyes are like kind of in the center of the frame and they're the most like emphasized, distorted thing. And he's staring right into your soul. And then you cut back to him later and he's not doing that. Well, you cut back to him a second later and he's not doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a fascinating little tiny piece of like Oh shit, this is what a really good actor can do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they use that a couple times. Um, the second time is Nina when she first turns into like the evil swan, when she has like the red eyes. Uh, the red eyes and like embraces the darkness or however you want to interpret that shot, but she does the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really cool.
0: Yeah, that was. Um, let's see. I have. The director says at one point everything beth does comes from a dark impulse and basically says that makes her a great dancer and like dangerous and fascinating to watch by incredibly self-destructive um and i thought that was interesting i felt like that was him basically saying like yeah she's mad and like it's cool that she's mad if she's a good dancer and like succeeds in my performance but like now she's worthless. Like now that she's old, like she's self-destructive. Like I don't care about her anymore.
1: Yeah, or encouraging Nina to just burn the candle at both ends. You know, just
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Embrace the darkness. I don't care if it kills you.
0: Yeah, totally, totally.
1: Um, <laughs> when they went to the club scene, I'm I'm gonna read my my uh, <laughs> my note word for word here. Quote you know, quote. Oh no, the drugs brought out her darkness. Says the general public. And then next note, oh, good, they didn't do that after all. Next note, oh,
0: nope. (laughs) Perfect.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, for a second, I thought Darren was more clever than that. It was, like, intentionally, like, nodding and winking at that narrative. Like, oh, she took the drug and it cut something loose inside of her. It opened her up. I thought he was nodding and winking at that. And then, like, no. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, I, um, I have one note that says when, when Nina's dancing and trying to be the black swan, the director asks, um, the person playing the prince, he asks, what do you fuck that girl? And the guy's like, no. And
1: he doesn't uh, say no. He just kind of hesitates and looks embarrassed.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and then the director's like. Yeah. Like you like basically says, like, you need to be fuckable. You need to be seductive. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was just so representative of like the patriarchy that like growing up means that you're fuckable, that you're seductive. And if you don't want to conform to that role, then like you're just a child not even deserving of womanhood.
1: Oh, my God. Are you familiar with the like controversies around Millie Bobby Brown? No. Exactly. She so she's an actress. She's in uh, oh god damn it! What is the name of that show? It's on Netflix, Stranger Things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On Stranger Things, she's like maybe she's thirteen right now, but she is like young.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's this whole controversy around like um, people commenting on her body.
0: Wow.
1: And you know, and people like there's sort of like a back and forth about like. Is she sexual? Is she not sexual? And then the woman who played uh, Annie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, yeah, uh, not Annie. What, what uh, uh, Christmas, 34th Street. What What am I trying to say? What's the name of that oh, Christmas Miracle movie on 34th you,
0: Street.
1: Miracle on 34th <laughs> Street. The girl in that, what's her name? Oh, or, I don't know. I Matilda. She also is in Matilda. Oh, she no, plays no, no, Matilda. No. Anyways, that girl came out and wrote, like, a really, like, like chilling op-ed about how like for her entire childhood she had to have like two people on staff who sorted all her mail and tried to like protect her from the pervs. Oh. Um but that that Holy still shit. slipped through and that like completely like fucked her up and, and like her sexual identity oh, and like, like 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 is like scarred her. That like she said like I don't care if you're saying she has a nice body like you're still commenting yeah. on her body and that is freaky, and that it will, like, destroy her. Yeah, yeah. And now Millie Bobby Brown is, like, dating Drake.
0: Oh, wow. Well.
1: But, like, kind of shadow dating, because that's, like, obviously you can't date a 13-year-old. That's fucked up, Drake. And he's like, nah, man, we're just really good friends, and yeah. we hang out a lot, and we text often. And Whoa. it's like, dude.
0: Whoa. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah. But that's that's been her evolution from child actor to legitimate actress mm. to like, wow, she could carry a movie, right? Like
2: Yeah. Like
1: she started off very much as child actor. Mm-hmm. And like, wow, these child actors in this TV show are great. And then suddenly she's regarded as an adult because now she's fuckable.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the same thing happens with Miley Cyrus, right? That she, like, huh. was, like, infantilized so much. And, like, Hannah seen,
1: Montana.
0: Yeah. Seen as this child. And so I think... I, I don't know if I'm correct if she has, like, well, said this. Disney stars her... in
1: general. Britney, yeah. too, and everything.
0: Right. I forgot that Britney was, like, a Disney star. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I oh, my God. Yeah. I wasn't, yeah, wrong for them, But... But Miley, I, like, have distinct memories of when she was, like, a child and kind of infantilized. And all that's so cute. She's Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter. And then she, like, had to become, like, sexual in order to be taken seriously as an adult. Like, it's, yeah, um, it's horrible. I mean, not to say that if people want to become sexual and do that and that's empowering, that's great. But, like, to, like, force that onto someone is um, really horrible.
1: Yeah. Um... Our society sucks yeah. at handling children. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um Let's see. I've got one.
1: Yeah. Um. That I, th- I felt, I think it's like different kinds of like, quote unquote, like American values that like I thought mm-hmm. Whiplash mm-hmm. felt very, yeah, just, you know, traditional hard work and sacrifice and bootstrap and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I'm trying to... I guess I have that part, and I, like, can't... It's, like, one of these, like, tip-of-my-tongue things, like, trying to define uh, black swan in that language, and I was hoping you could help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's what sort of, of American well, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it does. It feels very, like, American or maybe, yeah. like... I don't know, sell your soul to the... Sell your soul to try to get ahead, kind of, like...
0: Yeah, I mean, what is it? A lot of it is... I mean, I think it's American in the sense of like how we treat women in the U.S. Like, I I think, yeah, self-sacrifice, um, but less of a like bootstrap sacrifice and more of a like literally like destroy yourself for our entertainment almost. Yeah,
1: just crushing pressure.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know something about like yeah the crushing pressure of I don't know some sort of like postmodern America or yeah something like something along those lines.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Mhm. I don't know. Okay.
0: Let's see if I have anything else. Mm. Oh, just how little people, other people, are taking responsibility throughout the movie. Um, that the director tells Nina, the only person standing in your way is you. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) And then the mother,
1: like... The only person standing in your way is you, but if you fuck up, I will take this role (laughs) away from you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I will sexually assault you. Um... And then the mother who, like, locks her in her room um, and is like, oh, like, this role is too much for you or something, and (laughs) um, not, like, taking responsibility for, like, maybe I'm being abusive as a mother. Um, Just, like, yeah, typical, like, when someone is mad, no one wants to take responsibility. It's just, like, this person has something wrong with them.
1: Stop it. Where's my Nina? Come back to me. Yeah. Um... I was impressed at how much heavy lifting the music did. The music was just spot-on perfect. That, like, the moment where she, like, discovers the, like, glass shard in her torso, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, that was just magical. That it's, like, it's, like, swelling, brooding intensity. And then she, like, finds the glass, and it's, like, this crescendo of, like, brass and just, like, grating angsty, and then there's just this pause, it just it falls away for a second, there's just this kind of like calm violin sol- solo this sort of like not solo, but you know, it's sort of, everything kind of falls away and there's just this moment of like almost like inner peace and like resolve that like builds up into something like steely, but never quite as like dark and angsty, like kind of like steely and dark and, yeah. but like dark in a, like, powerful way instead of a, like, scary way, and it just... God, who wrote the score for this?
0: Yeah. Well, was the score the score of Swan Lake?
1: I actually don't know the answer to that question.
0: I thought it was, but I'm not totally sure.
1: Well. Yes. In that case, (laughs) who's the editor? Because, (laughs) damn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, it was incredible. The music was incredible. Um... The whole thing, I think, was just a, a total masterpiece, a work of art. Yeah. Um, yes. My final note was just kind of wondering what madness really means in women, what it means to be a mad woman, and just wondering kind of, does it mean being too much of a Madonna, you know, which is borderline or, like, impulsive or bipolar? Is it being too much of a, um, sorry, too much of a Madonna, which would be, um, more like OCD or anxiety or, um, more, yeah, like rigid. Um, or would it be, yeah, too much of a whore, which would be more the like borderline or bipolar. Um, and yeah, I just, um, or is it, like being neither is it being um can you even are you considered mad even if you are like both like one or the other is that or one and the both? yeah kind of switching between them is that like oh like you're like you don't have a stable sense of yourself like I was just thinking about like all the ways that women can like fail to fit the perfect balance between Mm. the two and what that means yeah yeah
1: the unanswerable Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> I
1: think an unanswerable question is a good place to leave. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> just just stew on that, children. Actually, no children, right? If they got back in the room, slap them around for me. And then, I don't know, something, something. I'm, I'm trying to drag out this, like, narrative of, like, dragging children out of the room and then children sneaking back in to hear the swear words.
0: Or don't censor stuff from children just uh, talk to your kids about madness and sexuality and i don't know i don't know and I, 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 I don't yeah. i'm not a psychologist i don't know how old children need to be to hear about sex but you know or
1: just to handle the body horror of black <laughs> yeah black that's swan. true yeah
0: it's pretty violent yeah maybe don't i don't know but whatever you decide you support <laughs>
1: Especially especially we support if you decide through the use of podcasts.
0: Yes. To talk to your children about madness. <laughs> but maybe yes. use Groundhog Day and not. This.
1: Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're build up to this, please. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, aside from the unsolicited parenting advice, um, <laughs>
1: Thank from two you. people that can't yeah. even support a cat.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We hope you enjoyed it. I happen to think this is probably one of our best ones yet.
1: This this episode right now? Yeah. Huh.
0: I mean, I just really love Black Swan. Oh my, I love I can Black tell. Swan. I I think that, like, a lot of times I watch the films that we do, and I'm like, there's not really a unifying, like... Theory of madness in this film. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like, we can kind of show how the character is mad, we can kind of talk about how madness shows up, but there's not like a unifying, like, argument that you can make. Mm. And I love it when, like, the film teaches me something about madness and then I can, like, kind of make the argument and we can support it with, like, visual and character examples.
1: See, if I've, I think the Blues Brothers, the episode on the Blues Brothers, I think was illustrative to me of that, well, that there is a unifying theory to be found in a lot of, maybe, you know, something like Ghostbusters, right? Like, the whole problem was that there wasn't a lot to go yeah, on there. But yeah. I think a lot of the movies that we pick, there is, mm-hmm. there can be a unifying theory. And yeah. we just can't find it or put our finger on it or whatever. That we're not hmm. stewing on these movies for a month and yeah. turning it over sure. and investigating. This is kind of like hot take, like, watch movie, react to movie.
0: Yeah, that's and true. And so, like,
1: there's something there, and we don't always quite catch it.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think some, there's not so much. though. I mean, yeah, there's just been a few, like, yeah, Ghostbusters, Talladega Nights, like, it's just not as much there Yeah. versus, yeah, I think, like, yeah, Blues Brothers was a clear example of, like, a unifying theory that we could, like, back up and support, and that was fun. Yeah,
1: but I don't think the... I, I think if on a bad day, or we, I think we very easily could have missed that and ended up in the same place as we did with something like Talladega Nights.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a good point. Yeah.
1: Which is all to say, give us your unifying theories. Yes. Oh my god, if we miss something, like tell us, dude. That's uh, this. This should be a dialogue. Mm-hmm. This should be a dialogue. Tell us what we miss and give us your theories. Yes. On Facebook, yes. we have a Facebook group and uh-huh. a page. Like, comment, subscribe, share, rate us on iTunes, rate us on Stitcher. You know, I honestly, I don't, you know what? I I don't care about iTunes ratings. I just want to see engagement. I want to see comments. I -hmm. want your theories.
0: Mm hmm. Teach us.
1: Yeah, for real. Teach us.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Should we talk about Disney? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do. Uh, we're, we're looking at doing a Disney December. Um, all Disney movies all the time. Uh, and we're including Pixar in that. So we will be setting up a Facebook poll or some kind of poll. Uh, and we want you to vote for what movies you want. And obviously we have veto power, but like <laughs> we want to talk about the movies that you want to talk about.
0: Yes. So please vote. Please give us your suggestions and we look forward to talking with you and talking to you next week. Okie dokie. Mad love.
1: Bye.